and I'm your host for the book pod. Today, I'm joined with my fellow Fiona Apple girl, Alexis Sycama. How are you? I'm good, girl. How are you? I'm good. So this week, well, first of all, before I go into it already, I apologize because there are people in the vents. There are. Literally. So if you hear people outside of this, just know that I have no control over it, and we need a more it's, professional it's, area. It's Dylan's rabid fans. They're so <laughs> desperate for the chance to get on this podcast. If you don't understand, guys, they're, they're clawing at the door. They're such big readers. We only have a matter of minutes, so. Anyway, this week we read Acts of Desperation by Megan Nolan, and before we dive in, I just want to issue a content warning because this book delves into some sensitive topics such as essay and self-harm, so if any of you may find these themes distressing, or um, disturbing, just consider switching to Divine Rivals with with Alex Damiano because it's a YA book and it's probably a more comfortable listening experience. So let me go into the Goodreads summary of this book before we get into the questions. In the first scene of this provocative gut punch of a novel, our unnamed narrator meets a magnetic writer named Kieran? We did it. We did Kieran. And falls against her better judgment completely in his power. After a brief, all-consuming romance, he abruptly rejects her, sending her into a tailspin of jealous obsession and longing. If he ever comes back to her, she resolves to hang onto him and his love at all costs, even if it destroys her. So this book got a 3.76 out of 5 on Goodreads, and while I usually don't care for ratings, I will say, for me, that's pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. Also, I didn't even realize we got her name. We, did, we didn't. We did, she has no name. She's no name. She's just the narrator. Um, I didn't even realize that until I finished this book because I was talking to someone and I was just like, yeah, there's a scene where... And I was like, wait, what is this girl's name? Just, just the author's name, maybe. Just Megan. Just Megan. Just Megan. Um, so first off, I want to ask you the question, what do you look for in a book? When you're browsing the sections in a bookstore or you know, you're picking out your next read, what do you look for? I feel like... I have a tendency to look for, even in fiction, I have a tendency to look for guidance, I think. I like to read stories about people who have been in similar positions to me. I like to read books by women who have to deal with the same mental, internal turmoil that I have to face. Um, I, even in fantasy, novels like high fiction like things like that I do still kind of look for those kinds of characters because uh, I think so often I'm just looking for someone to tell me what to do so anywhere anywhere I can find maybe even a little bit of advice I'll go pull it out of somewhere that's so flea bag of you I want someone to tell me what to wear <laughs> in the morning anyways everything goes back to flea bag real so overall thoughts on this book, we have refrained, I say this on every podcast, but we, we genuinely, I see Alexis all the time, we have not talked about this book. We haven't, but I think we've been so busy with, with other things. Yeah, I feel like we just can't seem to find the time for Miss Acts of Desperation, but we're here now, and it's time. And it's time, so overall thoughts, because I have good things and I also have bad things to say. Um, I think first off, I enjoyed the writing style more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, I I started reading this book. It took me two weeks to read it. The same around. And it it Dylan proposed reading this book 
at a very interesting time in my life. I felt like I, whether I wanted to admit it or not, I was very close to becoming the person that this narrator is. I was very, I found myself being extremely upset that I related to a lot of the things she was doing. And I, I just, this was a very interesting book for me to read because the character, I felt so angry for her. There were points when I was like, girl, stand up, like get out of there. But when I would have those moments of judgment, it would be like, well, I can't. Because this is me. I'm looking in a mirror right now. This is... No, I felt the same way. And I, I mean, I chose this book because it was recommended to me because I loved My Dark Vanessa so much. Mm -hmm. Have you read My Dark Vanessa? I have not. So that is, so it's very similar to it in the, in the point where, I mean, it's not very similar. It's different experiences, but, you know, it's this student um, who has this relationship with this older man mm -hmm. and he completely abuses her, you know, sexually and emotionally and he's manipulative. And so I picked this book and I did not realize that also to relate, it really is mirroring what I'm kind of going through now. And I will say, I think the last couple of chapters, it takes a turn from desperate and obsessive to like absolutely psychotic. Mm -hmm. Like I think those last couple of chapters, it's it doesn't feel like a completely different speaker, but it does feel like, oh, she has taken a turn. Mm -hmm. It's so... I don't want to jump ahead too much, mm -hmm. but not to go all the way to the end of the book after, obviously, there's this very um, climactic, traumatizing scene with her and Kieran that is the end of their relationship, mm -hmm. and she abruptly just says, and I left, and two weeks later I left the country, and the last chapters of the book are her talking about this time in Athens where she's just almost like completely disconnected from who she's been, I feel like. Not only that, I was not expecting her to immediately hook up with, what's the what's the guy's name who she winds up seeing at the end? Who's also Mark. Such, it's Mark. Who's also such a dirtbag. I was, I have to admit, in those final chapters when he's pressuring her into sleeping with him and she says no and she says no again and he keeps like, so, not even subtly trying to go at it. I was so, I wanted like a rage scene out of her. I have to, like I wanted oh. retribution somehow, but she. I wanted Carrie. Yeah, <laughs> there, I was just like. I have a lot of lines that I wanna ask you about in your thoughts, but I just wanna go back to what you said about the writing style because I find this pattern with like the stream of consciousness writing style and it allows the reader to like innately engage with the character's thoughts and emotions and it creates like this immersive reading experience that verges on the visceral mm -hmm. right but here's what i have a problem with when i get into these contemporary feminist anti-feminist novels like big swiss or any mona Awad or otessa moshveg books mm -hmm. They start out so strong. This book immediately started out so strong, like a five-star, five-star read. And then at this halfway mark, they tend to get so repetitive and redundant and they lose me. And unless I'm doing something like this where I'm, I obviously not only want to read it but or finish the book, but I sort of have to, I wouldn't. Because like the initial brilliance and novelty wanes because the narrative just 
treads and treads through familiar territory. Mm -hmm. And we've like, we've been through this. We've heard these things and maybe the repetitive nature is supposed to be symbolic, but I just found it completely redundant. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? I, it's funny because normally I would agree with you. Mm -hmm. And I felt that way when it started to get like that. I think about at the midway point of the book, we see the narrator really just falling into this never ending thought spiral where you just kind of keep revisiting. A little catcher in the eye too. (laughs) The same sort of, but I actually felt like it kind of, it, it lended itself to getting into the narrator's headspace. Because yeah, this is, just a never-ending god thought spiral where she's so obsessive over Kieran and then she just wants him to hate her. Mm-hmm. She wants it's such an interesting like watching her brain just go over and over these same feelings, going through these same thought patterns. And so that's why it felt even though the ending was those final chapters in Athens, they felt like such a big break. I was like, good for her. She got out of the thought spiral. I was, yeah, by the midway point though, I was I was rooting. I was rooting for just get out of there, girl. Leave town. Irish goodbye. You're Irish. Get out. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. And I do I do like the this like Sally Rooney Irish writing style where it's super blunt Mm -hmm. and it's super just straight to the point and there isn't any like flowery details that I mean not that I don't enjoy a good flowery detail but also with like a book like this it isn't needed because it the characters speak for themselves and I want to go back to mirroring real life and how this does mirror real life because I mean during we both have the paperback in front of us so Mm -hmm. go to page 192 or 189. So, first of all, where are the commas? <laughs> did you notice that? I I did not, actually. <laughs> not that there's zero commas, but like... Very you, minimal. Very minimal. Few and far between here. Needed Whoa. a little needed, needed a little editing, just a little bit of a nitpick. Mm-hmm. But this chapter told me a lot about the narrator because at this point in the book, I was just like, she is not... Not that she's not human, but she has completely lost it. Like she is, she has no sense of self anymore and mm-hmm. no sense of self-worth and no thoughts that are at any shape or form normal in a way. But then she describes Kieran's relationship with his dad and how like he could easily mend it. She says they were not similar men in superficial ways. Kieran was disgusted by Peter, blah, 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 blah. And if people Peter had been inclined to look his boy straight in the eye and say that he was sorry that he had been young himself then and unsure, unstable, if he had ever wanted to reach out and steady Kieran's hand, the one that constantly worried the threads of his sleeve when he was his father, if he ever wanted to take that hand and say, when I left you, it didn't make me happy. Like, she just goes on and on about how they could mend their relationship. And I was just like, oh, wait, she's like normal here. Mm -hmm. You know? And then she just goes back to, I was drunk and I wanted him to hit me. Mm -hmm. You know? I, when we went to this page, I was like, that's interesting. I didn't highlight anything here to keep. And then I turned the page and I um, highlighted that last line where um, the narrator says, how lucky I have been that so much of my pain is from fearing the loss of what I already have instead of suffering the absence entirely as Kieran did. So good. 
There were so many one-liners in this book. Yeah. Megan, I feel like mm, 70% of what I highlighted was stuff that would come as like the last couple lines of a chapter. Yeah, there was, if I remember, I don't know if I'm quoting this correctly, but there was the end of the chapter where she said something like, I envy women who are removed. I've never had that luxury. Mm-hmm. And I, ver- I I felt that personally. Mm-hmm. Like I've never been able to remove myself from my own headspace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So any specific moments or passages in the book that left a you know particular strong impression on you? Um, if you go to 128, she is talking about moving in with Kieran and kind of falling into this domestic housewife role. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a moment of introspection where she talks about it. It's in the middle of the page. Uh, she says, and after all, what individual had I been before? What identity was there to erase with my newfound house pride? I had never found one resilient enough to live on in my memory once it had gone. There had never been one real enough to miss. I disappeared with perfect peace. Oh. And I was just like, wow. It's so interesting because she has these moments. This is where it felt like the narrator was so relatable. It's the act of doing something and having enough self-awareness to know what you are doing and understand why it's wrong. Mm -hmm. But you also just cannot find it within yourself to stop doing it. I also have a question. Do you think humans or women, I don't wanna generalize. We can say women, it's okay. Can we say women? We can, are obsessive by nature. Or are we... Or I think we have a tendency to internalize the obsessiveness a little bit more. Okay. I think when men get obsessive, it's very external, and it has a tendency to be a little bit more violent. Not that women could not be those things. Yeah. I think we've seen plenty of cases where it can be. Yeah. But, you know, when I'm... There's the scene... comes at about the middle of the book. It's after Kieran breaks up with the narrator and goes back to... Is, we're gonna have to figure out her name too. Freesia? Freya? Freya? I I would think the J is silent. Okay. Alexis and I pre pre-recording this this episode, we looked up some. We had to get on we had to get on Google. It was it was a moment. But, um, um The ex-girlfriend. The ex-girlfriend, possibly Freesia, possibly Freeha. Yeah, possibly. Um, we might go with Rhea here. Yeah. But, and the narrator starts to fall into this obsessive spiral where she's looking at pictures of Rhea constantly, like imagining them having sex, like thinking about like going and taking him, like stuff like that. Whereas I feel like if a man had that kind of obsession, he would literally just like go and kill somebody. That is true. It feels like, not that they're not both fairly equal levels of insanity but I think I think women yeah women have a tendency to internalize their obsessions a little bit more and I think we see that this is very even though even though the narrator is obviously in the physical world having moments where she's drinking heavily and sleeping with other men and having these erratic moments a lot of this is taking place on the inside. Like, I guarantee yeah. outside of Kieran, nobody 
could have guessed that this is what her mental landscape was like. Yeah, I also, at one point in the book, I was just like, I mean, obviously she's an unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. And then at one point in the book, not that I'm trying to dismiss her experiences, but I was just like, how much of this, not necessarily with Kieran, because we get more detail in that relationship than any other relationship she she has, Mm -hmm. but with her other relationships, whether it's with her friendships or the men she meets on the weekends, or there's, what is there, there's a Ryan guy, or there's Yeah, there's Ryan, there's... An artist. How? Yeah. There's, there's a couple of dudes. Of course there's an artist in there. There's somebody, one of Kieran's co-workers. Oh, it's yes. It's a very, oh, here we go. Did I? I was, I was thinking, like, how the way she describes them and their sexual relationships and their relationships in general, how, how do we know if those are real? Not that they didn't happen, but the way she describes them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just her anxiety portraying these moments. Or what do you think about that? I would, I think I would agree with you there. I hadn't really thought so much about the idea of an unreliable narrator. I think less about the idea of unreliable narrators when there aren't multiple perspectives being shown that could prove otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very easy to assume just based on her her state of mind, her thought processes, (laughs) that she might be a bit of an unreliable narrator. I think, yeah, I think I would have to agree with you. I think there's um, those final, September 2014, that entire section where she's just going through this list of these men that she slept with in this time where she's trying, both trying to give... Karen a reason to break up with her and also is desperate for him to not leave that mm-hmm. she's like no I'll just lie about it it's so interesting seeing her like her thought processes after the event takes place um yeah I'll agree with you on that part <laughs> yeah also I want to talk about the mom for a second because the mom I, I wanted to see more of her relationship with the mother because the way she talks about the relationship with her mom and her body and the way she says this Mm -hmm. I came from her she made this body thing I hate and love so much I resent her for producing it just I I wanted to see more of that that's when it was like the most relatable Mm -hmm. for me yeah also the end of that I resent her for producing it I'm mortified I have made such poor use of it what a line how dare you (laughs) I want to scream at her on the other hand I love you so much I'm sorry on the other And, you know, the dad gets a little bit more traction in the book than the mom Mm -hmm. because um, there's, like, this scene where he meets Kieran. The way she describes it, it's like he... He's happy to see her happy, but as I feel like any parent would know, he knows something's kind of simmering under the surface there. Mm -hmm. It's, like, a little bit um, masky. She's trying to mask it a little bit. Yeah. Not that it disappears by the second half of the book entirely, but I just... The first half really... I feel like delves into her self-harm tendencies that she has and her experience with an eating disorder, her experiences like with physical like self-harm. Like I reading those sections was so interesting for me because sometimes not to retcon myself, though I do love to look for advice and I do like to read books. <laughs> on troubled women. Mm-hmm. I 
I see too much of myself in something and I find myself getting mad that this is the reality for so many women. Like this, this is the reality. This is, so if we're, I'm like, what are we all, if not eating disorders and poor relationships with our moms and getting lost in love? Like there were parts where I was just like, I know, God, can't we all move on? But it's just, it's <laughs> this line, just to go off of what you're saying, I slept for 12 hours straight as I often did when I first came home, as though recovering from having to be alive on my own all year round. Yeah, just... That's why I feel, even though obviously this character is exhibiting psychotic behavior, it felt so hard at points to judge her because I felt like I was at the place where she was when she met Kieran and she completely loses herself in this love. And yeah, just... And <laughs> it's also interesting how I forgot, was his name Ryan? Who was her first love? Uh, it's Ryan. It's Ryan? I find it so interesting how that, I, at least the way she describes that relationship, is so pure. Mm -hmm. And like she, I, she says this line in one book, but she's like, nothing will compare to that. And then going t from that to this mm -hmm. is just an insane jump, but also very, I feel, representative of. I feel like it is very important to note that this man who was a boy when they dated, this relationship that they have, even though she describes it as so just like innocent and pure and beautiful. They didn't have sex. Oh yes, they never had sex. They never had sex. They do, they do eventually sleep together, but it's not until they're both adults, adults. and she's yeah. having an affair with him. It's so, I feel like that plays a big role in it because we see the way sex becomes almost this like self-harm behavior for her mm -hmm. and I feel like that the way in which she views that relationship through these kind of more rosy colored glasses um, is because of that is because she doesn't feel like these men she feels like these men have used her for her body as a means to an end as a means of physical satisfaction never really wanting to get to know the emotional side of her and that was all that Ryan had, and he was okay with it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what she's really looking for. Yeah. Or she doesn't feel, or maybe she just doesn't feel like she can have that again. Maybe she feels like she's too far gone to ever have a relationship like that again, which is maybe why she sleeps with Ryan. Mm -hmm. Well, now as they're both adults, because she doesn't even feel like she was deserving of that one innocent relationship. Yeah. This book is so Nobody by Mitski. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just, <laughs> I know that that's a little bit random. Acts, Acts of Desperation is so Wave, Coquette, Lana Del Rey, Tumblr 2014, <laughs> Diet Coke. You're my little sparkle jump rope queen. You're my little sparkling, sparkling queen. Before um, I wrap this up, there, it's on page 198. I wanted to ask you about this and your thoughts about this. What is she talking about here? She's talking about women's desired desire and how it's authorized by men or whatever. And she says this in, in this last chapter of page 190 in the hardback. It doesn't mean that I blame them very much or excuse myself from, bl from blame. 
Why do I have to call them bad and myself good to simply observe what takes place in the world? What power men have had over me seems more like a neutral fact than a reason for me to hate them. And who would I be to hate them anyway? Couldn't I have made myself immune to them with will and education and pride in this late century? Couldn't I have had some other great love in my life than for them? Of course I could, but I did not. And this, my story, the story of that failure. That made me want to, like, men in black erase men out of my brain. Because I was like, she's right. Yeah. (laughs) She is right. Could I have some greater love? I thought that paragraph just summarized the story. Mm -hmm. And also, I didn't even realize this ties in so well with that last, I think it is, it's the last line of the book. It's, um, not to like really just spill this one out here. I thought that a man's love would make me so full up I'd never need to drink or eat or cut or do anything at all to my body ever again. I thought they'd take it over for me. But now, here I was, right inside it, with nobody to say what happened next. What would I think about now that I wasn't thinking about love or sex? That would be the next thing, trying to figure out what to fill up all that space space with. But that was all right. That would follow. And... I uh, yeah I loved I loved the ending I you I loved just, the ending I don't know I feel so hopeful for her she's sitting on a beach <sighs> she needs not giving a fuck about Mark so much therapy <laughs> she does need therapy but right now she's like on a beach and sometimes ocean, and sometimes the ocean is a therapy too I know she says like I am weightless but not insubstantial. I'm always sure of what my body should be doing there which is I I also feel that with the water yeah yeah the water is super healing. So, on a scale from 1 to 10, what rating would you give this book, and how would you recommend it to others, or who would you recommend it to? Um, I would recommend it to me. uh, Yeah, I would recommend it to me when I was 18. Um, I would... I think looking into a perspective like this is... I think it's good for anybody, but honestly, I think it's good for like women our age like college girls like young 20s it feels like it is so easy to center men and center romantic relationships and completely lose yourself in trying to make that other person happy yeah i mean i think this is this is the time when getting into a serious relationship can completely derail your life you can completely derail your life people are getting full-time jobs people are going to grad school and no. like when do men ever move for women it's always the other way around it is. you hear these stories i mean you obviously hear them now all over the internet because we just have a million boy voices like beaming at us 24 7 but also women in my real life women in my family who have told me that their biggest regret is that when they were in their early mid-twenties upending their lives for men who didn't really care about them at the end of the day. Yeah, and I know, I mean, I can't speak for you, but for me, I'm, I'm guilty that of that as well mm-hmm. when I was younger, especially like 18 years old, making decisions, mm-hmm. you know. I think, yeah, just the way that the narrator processes things, hearing about the stuff that she's gone through, Seeing the way that she views love as 
this power play. The power play, the center, of, like if I just have this, mm-hmm. then I'll be fine. And then, and then none of this pain that I've been through, it'll be gone, wiped clean. But that's not true. This other person is not God. It's not this absolving power. It's just another person, mm-hmm. an equally flawed human being. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where... So many girls go wrong. We think love is God, and frankly, it's not. To quote Heather's at the end, which is a Heather song for any musical theater people t- listening. But anyways, I agree with the fact that if this was in a man's perspective, at least 50 pages into the book, would have pulled out a gun. Well, I was going to say, do you, because I have read, I don't know if you've read it, it was called Diary of an Oxygen Thief. <laughs> Have I read Diary? And I feel like, didn't it get like pretty popular on? Yeah, it like it like got a little TikTok. It got yeah, it got a little TikTok. It got a little moment. It got a little Pinterest board. Yeah, it got a little moment. It got a little book talk moment. And like the cute boy of Barnes and Noble saw me looking at it, and he was like, "That's a good book." And I was like, "Well, now he's the only one checking out at the register, so I have to get it." Yeah. And I got it, and I could not finish that book. Oh, that book made me particularly like. I despised that book. I was like so much, like self-loathing, no accountability for like your actions, the things that you're doing, like the very weird lens at which you're viewing this woman. Like I'm like that must be the most unreliable narrator. Like is the woman that you're talking about even real? She even liked that in real life, but I... And in hindsight, I kind of like those abstract stories, it, but it's like the feeling while reading them, and then I completely, like, if I can't connect in any way, shape, or form, I'm not going to like the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can get through it, but I'm not going to like it. At least this, I mean, exactly what you were talking about before, it is normal, mm-hmm. and it's good to normalize these feelings as a young woman. I will say this borderlines normalcy to psychotic mm-hmm. behavior but well i was gonna say all of this to say do you think that we are a little bit more inclined to be empathetic because yes it's a woman yes yeah yes <laughs> yes <laughs> just to like get the get the confirmation yeah, bias out of um but any i'm i'm gonna say it's erno no okay Um, wrote a very short novella called Simple Passion, which is basically this book condensed down into 90 pages and equally as psychotic. Acts of Desperation? hmm? Yes, Acts Acts of Desperation. It's very intense. If you loved this book, I would highly recommend that one um, because I read that one on my seven-hour flight home from London oh, and, really? uh, was was crying as the sun went down and the man next to me was like, can you just like eat your your airline food in peace, I also, please? I will say, this, also, this recommendation also goes to Alexis, My Dark Vanessa. I think it is a better book than Acts of Desperation. It does cover a different subject um, with grooming, but it is like one of my favorite books of all time. It is so good and it's so well done. Um, But yeah, I definitely would recommend this to women our age or others if you're interested. Anyone who feels like they're 
They tend to lose themselves in relationships. Which is girls who have not been single since they were fifteen years old. Pick up this book now. No, literally. Go to your. I will start a GoFundMe for women who are chronically dating. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. And Alexis, thank you so much for being here. Of course, don't and being on the pod. Join us next week when we have Ariana, Madam President, as our guest. I'll leave the intrigue of that to settle in. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.